The following podcast is a B&E Network exclusive. Welcome to B-Movies and eBooks. I'm Craig Wade. And I'm Brian Allen Delaney. And we are joined today by special guest Robert Dean. Howdy. <laughs> uh, Robert is the author of The Red Seven, as well as tons and tons of uh, of uh, essays and, and socio-political commentaries. Uh, I, I've read his stuff in Fatherly and Texas Monthly as well, right? Food writing, yeah, and uh, trying to think. I just started doing stuff for Cleaver and Blade and Last Real Indians, all kinds of shit. I got something coming out from Mike.com soon. I'm all over the place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you appear to be staying pretty active, so we appreciate you coming on the podcast and discuss uh, Veronica, the Danzig, <laughs> the Danzig uh, film uh, with us. Now, now the, the main reason... Uh, we had talked about it before. You're a big Misfits fan, right? I'm a. When it comes to like Danzig and the Misfits, I'm a complete and total fucking fanboy. Yeah, yeah. That's uh. So when we we were talking about doing this, I was like, oh fuck, man. Let's see if if Robert could join us and and see if he can get some insight. I didn't really. Uh, so I like the Misfits a lot. I have not really at all uh kept up with danzig's uh solo career at all so oh, <laughs> do it i my, i mean my the robert dean logo is a rip off of the danzig logo oh yeah yeah <laughs> and that's that's amazing because it's it's literally the it's pretty much the same right <laughs> No, it's, it's just exactly, my, it, yeah. It's this. It's exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it's 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 just my name instead of Danzig. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's funny because like I'm making a TV show. Like for those who don't listen, I'm making a TV show called Out of Step, and I was in Los Angeles like three weeks ago before like coronation started, and um, we were like they were like if you could meet anyone in the world, who do you want to meet? I was like Glenn Danzig. <laughs> I'm s- sitting in a production office with all these people who are like, could l- make me meet whoever I want. And I was like, I want to meet Glenn. <laughs> like, okay. Now, now, what's your feelings on Graves? <laughs> Let's throw um, politics aside. <laughs> uh, like, there's like five good songs, and it's fun. It's just, it's not the Misfits. It's this, like, it's kind of like, I don't hate it. I, it's, I look at it the same way as, uh, like, Dio and Black Sabbath. Like, it's not bad. It's just it's not Black Sabbath. Yeah, Dio yeah. Black Sabbath is good. It's just Black Sabbath is Ozzy and stoner riffs and everything being about, like, you know, it's weird particles of the universe and doing a bunch of blow. And, you know, Michael Gray's Misfits is fun. I mean, it's like doo-woppy metal, but it's just not the Misfits. Yeah. You should have called it something else. It's like, it, to me, it just seems so much more cartoony. Uh, the, and, yeah. and they were over the top anyway, but but it, it just seems where if they had 
try like gone just a little more cartoony they would have been corny with graves in it you know like it, it's right at the edge i like it i mean i listen to famous monsters quite a bit and, and american psycho some but but uh not nowhere near as much as collection or any of those um but <laughs> i actually like uh graves's solo stuff that's not acoustic uh but that that dude ruined his own career. I mean, it's like his his the reason why nobody gives a shit about Michael Graves is a hundred percent his own doing. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. I saw him. Uh, I've seen him live a few times, uh, and uh, I, I saw him lose his shit on stage. Actually, I, I should have caught it on video. There, this club literally booked like. No shit, 10 opening bands. So by the time he came on, like everyone's like, fuck, man. It's like Michael Graves. At this point, who cares? Like, <laughs> we'd all been there at like six since like six at night. That's when the show opened because it was supposed to be an early show. And it, it was like one in the morning and literally 15 people were there. Yeah, it, I've, heard, I've heard that story multiple times. Yeah, and he was apparently not happy and i was like oh fuck well i'll buy a shirt I'll, I'll just buy a shirt i go and he was like yeah shirts are 40 dollars." i was like all right well i won't be buying a shirt fuck that <laughs> like uh, yeah so did you ever see the video of him uh on the daily show yes yes with ed helms uh that was ed helms right uh and he was uh... talking with the dude from the lawrence arms Brendan Kelly. Yeah, because he was talking about he wanted to try to start conservative punk, and the dude from Lawrence Arms was like, "This is the dumbest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life." Yeah, uh, it always makes me laugh when people are like, "Conservatism is the new punk." Just like how, how, like, bro? Like I'm reading a book right now about, uh, like, about hardcore. Because like, as much as I love, I love punk. Punk is like a part of my essential DNA, but I'm a hard it through and through mm -hmm. and like i can't even fathom how people come from punk and hardcore and then move over to this like socio conservative point of view and i'm like what the fuck did you not listen to anything like rollins and jello briafra and like yeah propaganda and shelter all taught us like where were the fuck like when uh beto o'rourke fucking endorsed joe biden and you're and when yeah. sanders was still in it you're like you fake motherfucker. You're the one that. <laughs> oh, uh, and you're gonna like do this shit. That is the most like unpunk shit ever. Yeah, it's disappointing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it's uh, I, it really is. It's something. It, <laughs> I, I don't. Uh, I don't have the words. Like, it, uh, 2020 is a flaming shit heap. I'd say that that's the words. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. I thought for when um, at first when Biden was clear, Biden was going to become the nominee. I was 100 percent like like Trump was going to eat his fucking lunch, man, because oh, for sure he had he had so much because it's asshole against asshole. <laughs> and he is like a folk hero for assholes. And <laughs> when you look at it in retrospect, it's like Sanders is an old asshole, too, but he's like a record that doesn't skip. You know what you're going to get out of him. There is yeah. no like, oh, yeah. what, like what mystery thing am I going to get from him? It, but it was what's funny real quick is like that's actually what the media and stuff has been attacking him for is that he's predictable. Like if you go on CNN and stuff and they they're talking bad about Bernie, 
they're like, you know exactly what you're going to get. And he's doing the same, you know, for, for 40 years. And it's like, how is that a bad thing? (laughs) (laughs) I wholeheartedly agree with you. I think it's insane, but up until this, like the whole coronavirus thing broke out, I I knew Trump's fucking playing card. Trump's playing card was going to be the killing of Osama bin Laden. That's like, I had cited a whole bunch about what he was going to use because essentially the conversation was going to be, hey, Joe, you think you're a leader? And he'll be like, uh, when Barack Obama sat around and went around his to his advisors and asked everyone in this room what they thought about the killing of Osama bin Laden, you were the only person who said no. He goes, I killed fucking Soleimani in broad daylight. That's what a leader does. And I and like I was so dead set on that was the kind of rhetoric that Trump would just lay out there in the whole thing about him not having any balls and all that. But then it took a catastrophic, you know, essentially world decimating problem to completely change the American way of life and economy. And I guess that's how you're going to do it, because Joe Biden's going to roll in there and be like, do you really think this shit would have happened under Barack Obama's watch? You know, in your heart and your guts, it wouldn't have been like this. And so that's the card he's going to play now. Yeah. <sighs> it's good stuff. That's what you, it, right? That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's what, hey, that's what you get when you get a political writer on your fucking show. No, I no, no, I I I agree. I mean, we uh, we don't normally get too far into politics at all. Uh, Except but for like the last time Matt Shaw was on, yeah, Matt Shaw. <laughs> <laughs> no matter what, he would swing it back around to Trump. No matter what we talked about, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it's crazy times. I don't understand how uh, how Sanders isn't polling better. Like, I, I mean, like I I just don't get it because uh, I, or not polling, but how he hadn't gotten more delegates. It's just frustrating. It's crazy. It's a politically. Well, I mean, sorry, it's a politically complex system in the sense that they're doing everything the DNC's power to make sure that he wasn't the nominee. Mm. That, yeah. that, that is provable. Yeah, they did it last time, too. Like, I was in, I was a, a delegate, went to a state convention, and they fucked him over. Like, yeah. and you could see it. Like, it was happening yeah. in front of me, you know? Um, and it was just like, it, it, it is incredibly crappy. You know, it's like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it, it is. It was rough. I I think that the American way of life. I mean, I'd written about it, and if anybody wants to read it, if you go to the Robert Dean Facebook page, so we don't have to like get in the weeds and bump people out with politics and culture and shit like that. <laughs> I think the American way of life is fundamentally changed after this. We're also seeing the exact things that Bernie Sanders said that he wanted and that the Amer- American way of life deserves you are experiencing right now in real time mm-hmm. from a base American income to bailing people out to taking whatever your leaders say in the medical, in the insurance racket, all of it is up for grabs and all of it is something that we're experiencing real time. That's it's all been a crock of shit. It's all been a fallacy The it's a fucking sham. And what do you think all this stuff is? It's all socialism. No, oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, I don't, it, it boggles my mind now. I'm still seeing, 
You know, I live in a very conservative type area. Brian and I are from a very conservative hometown. So uh, my Facebook feed is not, it's not very far left. I'm the, I'm the, uh, oftentimes (laughs) I'm the, I'm the liberal or, or person on the left pissing people off because they, my Facebook friends a lot often are very conservative and I'm still seeing people bitching about socialism at like, and it's like, what the hell do you think these, these little stimulus checks are or like, basically he's co-opting, he's co-opting at least Yang's platform for, oh. uh, for it and then i'm hearing them being like oh that's not socialism that's not like what the fuck is it i got in trouble with somebody like you're politicizing a national tragedy i was like no i'm just telling you the fucking truth so when the dust settles you need to realize like who the who's representing you and what they're like and i mean i again is i don't i try to really stay away from talking politics to be honest with you but um when you think about how things move um what we expect out of people in terms of the system that we're involved in is things are changing and you're going to see on front street where people's ideologies lie and there perhaps might be changes and stuff. I mean, there's a lot of complex things that are happening in terms of what people looked at was the fundamental identity of what your belief system is, is being challenged. I mean, you're seeing uh, all, not just socialism issues is you're seeing corruption in the government you're seeing it being played out in front of you you're seeing politics like news about the coronavirus was held back and for the sake of uh winning a Mm re-election that's provable there's you can look at you can just go down the feed of how statements were given and how like reaction was given and how fox news spin it it's all right there it's not this thing that you can be like oh well that's bull manufactured bullshit no it, it it exists yeah and so we have to take that into consideration, and I hope that come November, people start realizing, oh, wait, these things that were scary words and scary language, we really need to take stock in what, what reality is, and are these people going to be the ones that if I'm sick in the hospital, are they going to fight for me, or are they going to stick a fucking pillow over my face? Mm-hmm. Yep. I Glenn agree. Danzig would never do that. <laughs> uh, yeah. It it really is crazy. Um, I guess, does anyone have any non-corona, non-political horror type news? Uh, (laughs) I I was just going to say, like, I don't know. There's a couple things, you know, like we were saying that fundamentally, you know, we're going to change maybe our outlook on things right but i think there's going to be even a few just minor changes that might uh stick around right that that i'm hopeful for and it's just stupid little things too that don't really even matter in the long grand scheme of things like how uh movies in theaters are being like released on demand now and stuff like that <laughs> you know just to just kind of spin it back to to you know n- normal or whatever but it's like you know yeah, invisible 20, man they're 20 talking about bucks, doing- man like I, I mean i'm not i'm not griping but at the same time it's like man if they had done it like even 12 bucks 
like okay, that's comparable to a movie ticket price. Yeah, but I I, I think I think you're right in the sense that they probably will do that for in the short run. But I don't know. Like, I don't know. I think theaters will go against distributors and stuff like that if they continue with that because it's eating into theaters, bottom line. Yeah. But I think it would be kind of cool. I I hope... Uh, I I honestly hope in terms... And this really isn't political or movie-related. Um, but I, I hope that a change that we see uh, is people start realizing how fragile their local economy is. And oh, yeah. And yeah. really, really help out the small business whenever possible. Um, I now I'm guilty of going to Walmart and all this stuff because literally that's in about the only store in my town for a lot of things. But in terms of like restaurants and uh, and any business that's more niche, you know, going anywhere that you can, and if you have grocery stores that are family owned or, or even a very small franchise. Uh, I really, I I think that people are finally getting it in their heads that, you know, if, if you're doing it for the Walmarts and stuff like that of the world, it's not really, it's not going to help anything. And you're basically just outsourcing your local economy's money. Yeah. I've been actually getting, uh, takeout like a lot because like, I don't want to, like, I want to support, you know, all the restaurants that are still open that are like barely getting any business because they need it you know and it's like the other day i went to a pizza place and the guy who owned it was just like he looked so defeated you know and like he handed me my pizza and it's like head down and he was just like sorry and i was like dude you know it it was it was super depressing and it's like sad to see it because it's like there's a bunch of local places that might not make it out of this yeah, you know, and it's yeah, it yeah. We did uh, takeout yesterday for the first time since all this shit happened, and uh, and we we went to a few different places, and nobody nobody was in good spirits. One guy was like, "We've been here five years, and and uh, I don't know that we're gonna make another month." I'm just like, "Oh God," well, you know. So I over tipped, uh, quite <laughs> basically tipped the same prices our shit but it's just like man i don't know obviously that that tip it <laughs> in the grand scheme of things that's not gonna be the what saves that place but yeah it's just fucked it's crazy i i have a whole rant on this um i don't know if we would this is the time or the place but um no i mean it's it's based on like the stimulus package and what it looked like i think two two major things we're gonna see and I'm going to try to like depoliticize this the best I can, but if there's like certain tenets of it that are just the truth, um, I, ho- I have this hope that through all of this, what the number one thing you're going to see is that the backbone of fucking America is an- the hourly worker. It's mm-hmm. not the person making salary. It's not those of us who are lucky enough to like do our jobs from home. The fact that there are like, people stacking those pallets full of food that are stocking those shelves that are driving the trucks. Those people that are still out there trying to make a living cooking cheeseburgers and shit that are rolling in two, um, two months ago, a fucking person wanting $15 an hour to make burgers at McDonald's piece of shit. Mm -hmm. But now all of a sudden 
who the yeah. fuck is staying home and locked in their house and that person's still making your burgers even though there's a fucking pandemic going outside. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that person got their due respect for the fucking sacrifices. And on top of that, when we use the term patriot in such like lauded terms of where we like basically will blow anyone that like ever put on a military uniform. No disrespect. No disrespect to anyone who did put on a military uniform. But if you're the guy that's like fucking fixing computers, you know who a fucking page not to dis at all, not to dis uh, disrespect your service because that's fine. But like the you need to start accepting the fact that a fucking patriot is also a nurse. Mm-hmm. That yeah. they're, they're walking straight into fucking the unknown right now. That's a fucking patriot. We need to re- redefine what we view as patriotism and what we look at is like the people willing to do the jobs that we won't just like those guys who are out there fucking with getting mortar blasted and getting fucking legs blown off absolutely they have the best intentions to do the job for the country a fucking nurses doctors emts anybody on the front lines of the medical community right now are fucking patriots for sure but and when it comes to the small business thing i mean it literally what the American economy is going to be defined, the world economy, to be uh, to be completely honest with you, the world economy is going to be completely defined as how our government decides to take care of the people that are losing their ass right now. And the stimulus package is going to be a make or break because I saw no one has seen the exact breakdowns of the stimulus package because it keeps changing. Mm-hmm. But the first one, the shit that leaked to like journalists holy shit, it was a horror show. Mitch McConnell's a fucking ghoul. Like, uh, yeah. the way that that shit was set up was 100% like, totally big business friendly. Fuck big business. Big business is dog shit. Don't fucking give your money. Like, I understand if you live in a like little town and you Walmart's your only shot or like fucking go into like, Kroger's your only shot for groceries. Mm-hmm. That's fine. You don't live in an environment where that shit like is thriving, but there are other things like you can get your burgers from the, the guy that's doing his stuff or like the woman who's fixing uh, your clothes and whatever or whatever fucking small job that people have found their niche to make that support mm-hmm. those people. But they're the ones who are suffering. And the way that that bill was originally written, people were only going to get like 1200 bucks mm-hmm. and there's some provisions for like a one time payment and, Trump sided with the Democrats. I got to give it to him for that. He they, he even said it was bullshit, and they had to completely rewrite it. And now they're going to vote on it tomorrow morning, they say. But again, there's a whole bunch of shit we could get into it, and I could fucking talk till I'm blue in the face about buybacks, about how fucked up that is. And But for the first time ever, Trump stood with Democrats, and they both agree that that was fucked up, so the, the Republicans had to go back and rewrite the whole damn thing. Yeah, and maybe it's my cynicism, but I think that uh, that oh, it's you, election year bullshit. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. If it was it wasn't election year, <laughs> it wouldn't. Uh, that wouldn't fly. Uh, no, it's it's election year bullshit, and it's to, to put a band aid on the fact that how bad he fucked up uh, handling this thing. Yeah, yeah. it's good stuff. <laughs> well. <laughs> Um, all right. I guess let's go to a brighter note. I, uh, y'all wanted to do Veronica. Sure. <laughs> I mean, that's the brighter note. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. We'll be right back after this. All 
All right, we're back. We're talking Veronica. <laughs> Very sexual, sexually charged. Uh, uh, thriller by Danzig by Glenn Danzig. About a thriller? Yeah, I was about to say that. Is that a thriller? I don't know. What was it? Horror? I, I'd say thriller was a was a more more of an actual thriller than this movie was. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, yeah. So, so this so Danzig, Danzig says like calls it. Uh, it's it's a pornamento for violent erotica. Mm-hmm. Is what veronica means yeah That's... i guess i mean his <laughs> his comic imprint imprint was verotic right yeah yeah and i had a few of his comics and they all they all reminded me a lot of of uh what was it of like heavy metal you know uh-huh. the the magazine the the comic magazine been around yeah. forever everyone knows who what heavy metal is <laughs> i would hope <laughs> but, but uh they reminded me of that, but this movie, it, it's weird for somebody with such a clear execution on artwork that film would be such a terrible medium for. <laughs> um, I mean, Glenn Danzig is a literal genius. Like, I don't, I don't take that, um, description lightly. I mean, the dude got commissioned to write songs for Roy Orbison and Johnny Cash. That's a pretty good mile marker of your talent. And yeah. his he created the whole Misfits thing, which influenced... I'm, I'm about to write this thing of uh, how the Misfits are just as culturally viable to heavy metal and punk that uh, as Black Sabbath. Yeah. Like, the Misfits... If, if Black Sabbath's A, Misfits are B. Like, the, the two genres would not be the same without them. And that's all Glenn and Glenn's solo material with mother and the Danzig records, how they look, how they feel. Genius level shit. Veronica, not so fucking much. <laughs> Definitely a low point. <laughs> yeah, man. It, it like it like for me to even say that that movie like sucked is how, how much I love Glenn Danzig and his body of work just hurts my fucking soul. <laughs> I do well, glad we could do it on our show. I do think, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do think that it's it's almost a requisite viewing though uh, for people that like bad movies or people that even like just horror. If you like good horror movies, I think that it's requisite viewing because this. Uh, I feel like it's going to be you know a classic in terms of. The same way that not Rocky Horror, but something like that, like a midnight get a crowd together and watch type film. It's, it's, so everyone is calling it the Room of Horror. Yeah. yeah. What's sad that, though? That's is, how it was told to me by Craig last week, and that and that's what I'd heard. That, but <laughs> uh, and that's what I was hoping for. But even I enjoyed the Room more than this. You know, <laughs> we were watching it and we were like, "What the fuck?" Like. Again, like I said, I can't overstate my love for all things dancing. And my best friend was watching it, who's like, he's a big fan too. But we were both like, how did this get made? Like, I think, <laughs> like, I mean, I, my guess is because he was raking in so much money from those Misfit shows that, like, that's how he funded the movie. And because, I mean, he was, they made a lot of money from the Misfits. Yeah. And, yeah, I paid two hundred and fifty dollars for one ticket. 
Um, look, yeah. and I cried too, and it was worth it. Where'd you it, see him? I went to Chicago. Nice. No, sorry, I paid 175 for my ticket, but I, I cried. I, I it was a whole thing for me. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, okay, if Glenn Danzig comes to you and says, "I want to do a horror film," you're gonna green light him. Mm. You know, I mean, yeah. Maybe. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, past one production, you might be like, "Oh, this was a bad idea," <laughs> but yeah, I mean. We're still talking about it. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I have friends in Hollywood because I'm that dickhead now. And um, they were all like, look, he went through so Uh-oh. When he about Danzig, you just have to know that, like, Glenn going to be Glenn. And he, like, <laughs> hates everyone. I remember we have this thing because he's, like, he hates sound guys. And every time I've seen him, he's like, fucking sound guy, fucking my app. He's like, fix my monitors. And I, like, say that on stage. And um, a couple of years back, I went to like a Blackest of the Black show and I uh, was standing next to the sound booth and I was having a couple of beers. I was like, what's it like to work for Danzig? And the guy just looks at me and goes, it fucking sucks. He's an asshole. <laughs> like, I, he goes, I hate this job. I can't wait for the tour to be over. <laughs> it was like 2007. <laughs> yeah. Okay, there are parts in here where I can kind of see what he's trying to do. You know, like, okay, so it's an anthology, Mm -hmm. right, Um, of non-connected stories at all, right? And thoughts. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Like, the the first one was the, the albino spider of the jet, right? Okay, it almost feels like he wants to go, like, surreal expressionist right but it's like so ineptly done <laughs> right like okay um how spoilery are we gonna get with this uh i don't think it matters dude. Yeah, no <laughs> I, okay. so anyway um the 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 main chick Dejet has eyeballs on her boobs right mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like i think you know i can kind of say like maybe he's like trying to do like a smart play on like the whole hey my eyes are up here thing you know or something but it's like so like it's stupid and <laughs> <laughs> like i can't just like and 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 the whole time like the people in in the stories are like just straight up saying what they're feeling mm-hmm. and stuff like there's one point where okay in that one, I don't know, her tears cause a spider to turn into this giant man monster thing. But only, like, lives in the real world when she's dreaming. Correct. Okay. <laughs> but but there's, like, a part where, like, he kills her roommate or whatever, and she's like, you're a killer. Or actually, she doesn't even say you're a, she just says killer over and over again. And um, And he's like, you're a killer. And he goes, no, I am you. And it's like, Come on, man. It's like <laughs> you know, you're, you're taking these things that are like, you know, metaphors, right? And you're just you're just saying them. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> so the eyes on her boobs worked as a side gag for me. I mean, I laughed. It, I don't I don't think that was I don't think it was supposed to be funny. It wasn't supposed to <laughs> evoke that emotion, but it did make me laugh. But did they like cerebrally play into the spider at all uh, they didn't right like i didn't miss no, something huh 
had eyes on her boobs. Yeah, like, okay, so really the story's about a spider, you know, a woman that that uh, brings a spider to life while she, she dreams, but the, the eyes on her boobs were just like icing on the cake, right? Like, had nothing to do with the, with the bulk of the story. Like, but why? I think he was trying to go, like, David Lynch surrealism. Isn't there a more interesting, like, story to tell with the eyes on her boobs than that just being something? (laughs) (laughs) No? That's the more interesting part. (laughs) Well, I wasn't invested in the spider guy, nor was I invested in their terrible French accents. And and, and (laughs) it was filmed, obviously, in L.A. because when she leaves, like, the porno theater... It says Los Angeles on it. I, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I pointed that out too. That was just the little Los Angeles district of Paris, dude. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I also like that, you know, their their accents suck, but they didn't even all choose the same style of French. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> you know? we we were watching it, and my best friend he's he gets done ripping a bong, and he looks up and he goes. Who's that Goro-looking motherfucker? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. My favorite part was the end, whenever the, the police come knocking, right? And they break down her door, and then, like, they they shoot the the guy, spoiler alert, right? The, the monster. And he's dead on the ground, and they're like, looks like we found our sex murderer. But, like, why? How would they know it was that? Like- Completely, it was a completely unrelated case, right? They had no idea what the guy who was strangling people looked like. No. You know, they just found a bunch of strangled bodies. And then they're like, oh, well, I guess this is this is our sex murderer. And yeah. they call it that. And it's hilarious. <laughs> no, I will say, all right, uh, outside of this, uh, you know, it's all connected by this character. I forgot her name. Uh, uh, it. No, no, the, the oh, keep, oh, keep, oh, uh, Morella. Morella. Yes. So she's like basically kind of this Vampirella looking character, uh, you know, scantily clad in a in a spirit Halloween costume wig, <laughs> you know. And but she's like uh in the beginning, she pokes this woman's eye out, and it is it actually kind of gave me hope for the film. No, yeah. is, because it was like that was it was so much exactly like zombie, you know, Fulci's zombie that that eye scene. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, uh, in in Fulci's zombie, where like it gets closer and closer, and then it shows it penetrating the eye, and it's like, man, he spent a little bit of uh, time on that slight special effect. It came across as cheesy and dated. But oh, still, but I was in it still. Yeah, I was like, I was oh, like, oh this great. is gonna be all right, you know. And then it, I feel like that was the high point of the film. It was. <laughs> and you see the bad computer animated silver spider, uh, <laughs> silver spider drinking titty uh, tears. Then uh, there's horrific French accents. Not to mention every actor in the whole fucking movie is from porn. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, like. There's a, a laundry list of things you'd be like, why didn't you get like real actors to do this movie? Why or, was why wasn't this good in any way? <laughs> yeah, the the ch- the chick with the pink hair is his girlfriend. Oh, really? Yeah, Caden Cross, and um, it's just so many things. And then you get to the second one where it's like the the fucking sin lady, and you're like, but. 
God. Why? Why is she like? Why is she stripping in this place? And the music sucks too. You're like, dude, you're Glenn Danzig. You could write yeah. written a whole soundtrack, and you have like bad Motley Crue throughout this thing. And then the, the opening credit themes is like the same four notes over and over again. Mm-hmm. Like, what the hell, Danzig? <laughs> but man, that that second one, okay, uh, change of face or whatever, has the weirdest like camera decisions I think I've ever seen. Like it just like zooms in on places randomly, right? Like and and there's so many parts where like she says a one liner and like turns to the camera and then the camera zooms in our face and it's like, did you really just do that? You know? Or there was there there's a scene where she's in a mirror and she's doing a monologue and it slowly zooms in to her reflection in the mirror and then it zooms in really fast and gets really close to her face. And then just zooms back out. <laughs> like, what are you, what, like, what's the? I don't even understand. It's just so weird. Like, did so any, many strange choices. Did anyone notice that, like, those the dead faces she had on the wall kind of look like those Neutrogena masks people wear? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I also noticed that. Uh, uh, you know how the, you pointed out the lack of logic when the police come and kill the spider guy in the yeah. first one. There's also a lack of logic tying the mystery stripper to the face ripper, right? Oh, absolutely. Well, like, no, no, they pick up a card. Oh, she left. Oh, her card yeah, there. you're right. So <laughs> in this, it, it, it's one of the weirdest pieces of editing, like ever, because she kills that lady. Right, mm-hmm. the police come to investigate, and it's like their scene is over. Right, and it goes into this like montage where it seems like time has tr- uh, like happened because there's all these overlays of newspapers of like face ripper at it again and <laughs> yeah, yeah. stuff like that and then she has a monologue right mm-hmm. and then it goes back to that detective scene and then they find the card it's huh. the same scene <laughs> well i will say this is right around the time that and i normally devote all my attention to the, these movies that we're reviewing but this is the time that i i grabbed my kindle and started playing a slot machine game on the kindle <laughs> because i was like you know what man this movie's just not it's not doing it for me um made me laugh but yeah, I did not notice that, that was the same scene. What? It was the same scene. Uh, it was just like they split the scene with like a montage and then went right back to it. But it was like clearly meant to show the passage of time because there was like several newspapers and stuff like that. It was it was ridiculous. I did I love how her face, when it kept showing her un, you know, so the second one, you know, she's skinning these women's face to put over hers because it was ugly, but her makeup to make her face ugly was changing every scene it showed, showed her. Sometimes she was like horribly burnt. Sometimes there was only like two scars. So, uh, sometimes it didn't even look that bad, except for she just had some shit under her eyes. Like, it was just weird. Um that like when the first person she kills and the chick is like screaming, just standing there like, no, <laughs> yeah. like, ah! and you're like, why wouldn't you just run when a chick is like clearly chasing you with this fucking steak knife? Yeah. <laughs> she's just like, I want your face. No, not my face. <laughs> I like how they were like, uh, the cops come up on, on her and he's like, it appears she died of shock and a loss of blood. 
<laughs> like, I don't know why. Like, just uh, coming up on someone without a face and then being like, she died of shock and a loss of blood <laughs> made me laugh. It's so dumb. Um, and again, she's literally using a steak knife. <laughs> yeah. Like, she's... She's using some shit from the Sizzler. <laughs> yeah. I will say this was my favorite of the three. Can we? Do we even really have to talk about how shitty the third one is? That it was so fucking long. <laughs> oh my god. Like, the, this movie, I kept checking to see how much time I had left. I'm not even joking. <laughs> the third one, to me, appeared to have no arc in the story. Not that any of them had any sort of, you know, any sort of grand payoff, but the third one had none. It was just like, here's here's a week in Countess Bathory's life, basically. Yeah. That was it. Like, there was yeah. nothing. I and did, it was 30 we, minutes, and it felt like an hour. I, oh my God. Now, when she cut the lady's head off and held it up, and it was like the worst-looking prosthetic head i've ever seen i lost it laughing so did we (laughs) Uh, i don't have much more to say about the film do y'all no and there's there's really no redeemable quality about it like i said it hurts my soul to say like anything bad about danzig you can be like like even his bad records you can be like Oh, this one's a clunker, but there might be like one good song on it. Like the skeleton record, you could be there's it's there's some bad ones on it, but the first song, the first song on skeletons, it's uh because skeletons is like a um covers record, and he like does this one thing is called like something Satan's Angels or some shit like that, and it sounds like the Misfits, and it was like let's just Glenn let you know that at any time. He could still pull this shit out straight. Be like, "Hey, you want this dick? You want this dick? <laughs> I'm, just gonna, I'm gonna let you just know that it's possible because it's a fucking misfit song." And you're like, "God, it's so good." And the rest of the record, you're like, "Eh, it's okay." And but it just to like badmouth anything he does just like hurts. And you're like, "Damn, this just there is nothing good about this movie." I mean, even the artwork to it sucks. The like. <laughs> The artwork looks like a fucking high school senior did it. And, man, like, the titles suck. The music sucks. But there is just nothing redeemable about it. Because like, the thing about The Room is there's quotable lines, like, the Lisa, you're tearing me apart and all that. Mm-hmm. You didn't really have any of those in this, man. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really it bummed me out because uh, it got me thinking about... Uh, you know, I haven't heard, I've seen printed interviews, but I haven't heard Danzig talk at, at like long lengths of time ever before. So I'm, it makes me wonder if he knows how to talk normally, <laughs> like if he can form normal conversations, because to fuck up dialogue this bad, like it's weird that there was like no play like like you said earlier the characters only said what they were thinking they didn't really play off each other or anything nothing there was nothing everyone was just interchangeable stereotypes and and it was just it was absolutely terrible i don't know how he did it but he may have made at least top 20 worst movies i've ever seen I think this movie is like a complete act of hubris in the sense that like Danzig is used to succeeding in things yeah. and like he's been successful up until this point at just about, 
you know, the Blacks of the Black tours. He put together these package tours that were did very well. His solo career has done very well. The Misfits are clearly one of the most important rock and roll punk bands of all time. Uh, Sam Hain has its own special place in the world. And his legacy and influence is undeniable to a whole subsect of people. But because he's done so much shit that is good, and I mean, even to like Tavarotic, you can translate that shit into comics. To comics, that stuff works. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But like when you put like pen to paper and you expect like somebody who doesn't write, uh, you expect somebody who doesn't write to like suddenly become a writer. um, Okay, you're a cat. Okay. Um, if you ask somebody to suddenly become a writer and then you know any like outside influence or somebody's like, hey man, let me just because he's Danzig, he's got a million kinds of friends. Somebody would be like, hey man, let me let me take a look at your dialogue, help me punch this up for you, man. It'd be an honor to work with you. You know, he was like, no, fuck that shit. I'm not doing that. And you're like, what? And he's like, yeah, it's fucking bullshit. It's fucking, you know, the Kennedys fucking hate the Kennedys. Like, Glenn, we're not talking about that. Yeah. Like, have you ever seen, if, if you want to entertain yourself, have you ever seen the uh, YouTube video of him talking about his books? No. Go on YouTube and look up Glenn Danzig library. He's sitting there shirtless with candlelight. And he's like, and this is from probably like 92. And he's like, I love my books. See this one? This one's about a wolf. And he's like talking <laughs> another one. He's like talking about like Dr. Mengele from the fucking Germany camps and shit. And I mean, it's just, it's insane. And like, and another thing is like Glenn has got a lot of cultural passes too, man. Like if you look at Misfits lyrics now, they're <laughs> fucked up. Oh yeah. They yeah, are yeah so sure. fucked up. Like, so uh, fucked up. <laughs> and a lot of his lyrics are fucked up and you're like, all right, well, that's kind of weird, rapey, sexist, and violent, but hey, man, that's a good fucking, I like to do the whoa, 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 so. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I, uh, you know, sung Bullet a million times, but it was probably a year ago that I was like, huh, I guess I've never paid attention to these lyrics, like, actually paid attention, because it was like, oh my god, this would never, like you said, never fly now. But no. <laughs> it's just like, huh, that's fun. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah. Uh, Dude, last caress. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a I, there's a lot of them who killed Marilyn. Mm-hmm. You know, it's there's a bunch of shit. And there's some Danzig lyrics, too, that are fucking problematic. But like I said, he's the dark Lord and we just, we just accept what he says, except when they fucking say it on screen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, as long as he stays making music and no more movies, I think we're all good. That said, (laughs) would you watch He He decides he's going to make a second movie. Would you watch it? Yes. Yeah. I would. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, I'm a fanboy piece of shit of, yeah, of course I have to watch it. <laughs> now, uh, the only other thing that I, I have, who makes films better? Him or Uwe Boll? I don't even know who the fuck you're talking about. Oh, oh man. So, okay. Can you... So- <laughs> House of the Dead. Uh, he did a lot of films basically just based on tax loopholes. People could donate. 
um, money. He's a German guy, and there was a tax loophole for a while that they closed up, and he quit making movies. But you could donate your money to him, and it would like double the the amount you could take off your taxes over there. So people just had him making these shitty movies, and they're really, really bad. Video game adaptations. Yes, he'd buy the rights to video games and make them. And he made probably 20, 15, 20 movies uh, that progressively got better. He he made two good movies, um, but but it took like 20 of them to get there. That's what I was going to say. It's like you can't, I don't think you can compare just based on their output alone. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I got you. It just seems like, uh, so Uwe Boll, he would also take people shit all over his movies and he would invite them to fight him and he'd <laughs> sell tickets and he'd beat the shit out of these people. And uh, <laughs> I could see Danzig doing that as well. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if he was 15 years younger, it, it, I could see it a little more, but I could also just see him doing that. It seems like maybe I don't know though. He doesn't really. He seems to be having a okay time with people laughing at it in public. Yeah, I mean, I think that he's. I mean, he definitely got a ego check with it because my friend Kevin was at the premiere in Chicago, mm-hmm. and uh, he's like, they, he's like, the first time anyone in public has seen it, and we're all super hyped, and we start laughing throughout it, and then like somebody asks, and they go. Did, how, he's like, how do you think it felt to watch the movie with the fucking guy the first time in the world anyone's seen it? <laughs> and then people were laughing about it, and somebody asked him directly in a Q&A, did you intend this to be this? T- did you intend for this movie to be funny? <laughs> uh, yeah. It's good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, alright. Uh, five. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and give it a one out of five. Uh, yeah, so we rate things one to five. Uh, what are you? What would you give it? Oh, man. I mean, like, do you want to give it a five because it's so fucking bad? It's in its own league of categorization. You can. <laughs> you can. <laughs> However, I don't advise it, but you can. Uh, <laughs> I guess, I mean, just to be on point with, I would just give it a one because it's like I own it and I probably will never watch it again unless it's like, hey, do you want to get all fucked up and watch this movie again? Like, yell at it. That might be the only scenario I can see. Yeah. Or maybe somebody comes up with a fun drinking game to it and then it makes it a lot better. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I do. If they ever play it at midnight at like one of the draft houses or something like that, you know, or, or anywhere, really, I would like to see it with a crowd. I think yeah, that there's something yeah. to be had with it in a crowd. But sure, I get it in that context. But yeah, I think it needs uh, Rocky Horror type crowd interaction. I can see <laughs> that. Like, you know, where like they'll say something like, you know, oh, you're the killer, and then everybody's like, no, you're the ki-. you know, like <laughs> maybe, maybe, like, maybe something better, but yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I know, but I'm just saying, like everyone think- dresses up like that six armed Spider Man, <laughs> Goro. <laughs> he, he literally, now that you say it, he really was Goro minus the ponytail. Yeah, in two extra arms. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. good call, huh? But yeah. It was, it was pretty much exactly the same. Huh. Well, that that about wraps that up. Um, 
<laughs> thanks for thanks for joining us on, on this. Uh, tell people where they can see your stuff, Robert. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. I am literally Robert Dean. And then on the Facebooks, it is you just look me up for Robert Dean. There's a couple of them, but I'm the big ass cover one covered in tattoos. It's talking shit all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'll know if you, you'll know if you get there. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah. Once again, thanks for coming on. Uh, we we enjoyed it. I look forward to seeing your, you know, what you end up writing about this whole coronavirus stuff and uh and and the situations that we see uh and we'll get through all this shit together i guess yeah i got some stuff coming out i got a really good one coming out soon uh keep an eye on lastrealindians.com i'm writing for chase iron eyes who is essentially the spokesperson for standing rock tribe and leonard peltier and I wrote a bunch of shit that like white people can do to stop being racist towards Native Americans. It's pretty funny because I like just totally talk a gang of shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, did your did we saw you do a reading on uh, how what was it horse meat? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, did that ever get did that get picked up by anywhere? Yeah. Yeah, fa- yeah. Fatherly picked that one up and. They did that. They did the pie versus cake. One. Yeah, I was going to say the pie versus cake. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah, that was good. They did that. And then, uh, yeah, Last Real Indians picked that up. And I'm about to do some other stuff about, like, corrupt politicians and how they should get the fucking guillotine. And um, <laughs> there's a whole bunch of different stuff I have coming out. But, um, yeah, the Last Real Indians one will be is, is funny because it basically is just, like, I, I have, there's this argument that people – We'll be like my sports team, but it's okay that they totally are uh, the like you know the Redskins and all that. And they have like some people just say, "Well, they're keeping us honorable." No, man, this is from an official, like totally legit source. It's not okay. It's just it's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, well, I, I look forward to I look forward to reading that. I, I obviously uh, I, I think your was the one about the grit of Texans and Harvey probably your yeah. biggest one, your biggest yeah. most shared. That, yeah, that one went viral. That was shared like I think with total reads and shares, it was like three million times. Yeah, I remember reading that after Harvey, uh, at, way before I met you, uh, and what we met last year. Um, yeah. And yeah, that one went totally viral. And, and honestly, seeing the the response and coronavirus, uh, seeing the communities when they can keep it together, I feel like there it, it keeps uh, resonating in me. Uh, I, I encourage people if you haven't read that one, check it out. Obviously, read the funnier ones <laughs> as well. Um, but yeah, it. it that kind of has given me a little bit of hope that we'll be able to get band together and get through all this bullshit. We'll get through it. If there's anything that's going to save America, it's Americans. Yep. That's my strong feeling that we're a country full of fucking people that have been shit on in a variety of ways, depending on the subsect of reality that you live within. And we are a people that no matter what happens, some people are culturally bred to feel sorry for themselves. We are not. We find solutions to fucking problems. That's just what we do. That's the American identity. And as long as this thing doesn't kill us, we will kill it. Mm-hmm. I agree. Well, yeah. once again, thanks for coming on, and uh, 
we will be back with our review of uh, Lucas Mangum's uh, Saint Sadist. That's a, he's a wild ass dude. And if, if you spoiler alert, if you ever get the pleasure to hear him read it live, it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're back. We are talking Saint Sadist by Lucas Mangum. Now, I did not, I don't have a copy in my hands and I don't have the summary. Uh, but oh, well, I mean, do you want me to read the whole back? No, no. I mean, I, I think we could just summarize it as, you know, a girl leaves a abusive household well, and we're... Well, she- how, how about I read the first sentence? Sure. Okay, because it, it sets things up. Um, in a way that I wish I had read the first sentence before I started reading this book. <laughs> uh, it says, pregnant with her father's child, oh God. 19-year-old Courtney is a girl on the run willing to do anything to make her way on the road. Basically, yeah, yeah except for all you have to know from there, she ends up at a uh, cult. Yeah. At a cult commune where... Things don't really get much better, thus the name Saint Sadist. Um, I don't want to give any spoilers for this book. I do think that it's uh, it'll resonate very well with audiences uh, that are into more extreme type horror. Um, Yeah, I mean, even though like a lot of it doesn't feel like an actual horror, there's there there's like a chapter or two that gets like you know there there's a uh, it's going to hit the bingo card, a sense of dread, <laughs> like, you know, th- throughout some of it. Right. But there's only like a, a bit of it that I would consider to be actual horror. The rest of it's kind of just a, like very like gritty character study in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and honestly, it, this thing reads very quickly. Uh, yeah. It's only like 119 pages, something like something that. Something like that. Um, and, you know, the writing is fast. It's dense in places, but also very sparse in others. Uh, yeah. It, know, it, it has, it knows like it, the pacing is good. Yeah. Very. It's like when it knows to, to let it breathe for a second. Yeah. And, and when it knows to, really push it into you and it it, it does uh explore uh, uh some extreme content that really isn't appropriate for uh, a lot of horror re- readers i realize that horror is like you know unhinged in, in all of this but i i th- feel like this does touch areas you know incest rape torture that really will not resonate well with a lot of readers that are more into like the supernatural type yeah. aspects um, but you know, if you are into extreme horror, uh, it, it's almost like this, this, you know, a, you said that it's not, it doesn't really feel like horror as much as this woman finding like her own sense of independence, uh, yeah. out there finding out of a, uh, codependent scenario. Um, but you know, it really, with these touchy type topics, it does not feel super gratuitous. Yeah. No, yeah, everything's kind of treated with uh, decorum, I guess, in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's very narrative driven. Like even all the things that uh, would be considered, um, you know, on the, uh, I guess, on the cusp of 
tastefulness, mm-hmm. right? You know, like the incest and stuff like that, which can really throw a lot of people off. It's all treated as like, it's all important to the narrative. You know, um, it's, it's not just done just to, for shock value. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's, uh, it does have something that kind of left me wondering. Uh, well, I think the end uh, of the book and I, I don't really want to just fast forward to the end, but you know, the end, uh, there, here I go. <laughs> <laughs> well, the end of it, uh, it, it does have the type of ending that isn't like just open-ended or anything like that, but it does kind of make you wonder what happened. Yeah. Um, and it also is littered with, uh, you know, biblical passages that may or may not relate. Uh, they either are on the nose with what's happening with the story or they're so far off. It's almost like a point of juxtaposition, you know, something yeah. terrible is happening. And then there's like a biblical passage of something good or something terrible is happening. And it's a biblical passage of something bad. You know? yeah, and sometimes it's multiple biblical passages at the same time. Who are opposites of each other. Yeah. <laughs> um, which I kind of felt as um, it, it was sort of, you know, her inner monologue. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's a scene very, or the, there's a line very early on. So I don't think it's spoiling much where, where she says something like um, she, she may or may not be schizophrenic, mm-hmm. you know, like she doesn't know if she's crazy. Right. And I think that's what that really was, was like this, um, you know, the voice in her head sort of thing. Oh, yeah, because definitely. She, she was raised I agree. A very strict, um, like fundamentalist. Mm-hmm. And so it's like anytime, you know, there, there's that, you know, it has bearing on her situation. It's like that's what she's thinking of is these Bible quotes and things. Um, or they're forced into her head, really. I don't know if she's... Yeah, uh, yeah, she's basically either a prophet or schizophrenic. Yeah. You know, that's kind of what they're saying. Um, yeah. I also feel like there's probably a lot more nuance uh, in, in reading into the Bible quotes than what I did, you know? Yeah. I'd like to go back through and actually read them in context, you yeah. know, because there's a few of them that are labeled like there's a there's a quote from like isaiah and there's a quote from revelations um you know which are the two big prophet ones and then there's like song of solomon in there and Mm. stuff like that and i'd like to like you know if i read it again i'd probably go back and look at those actual passages yeah in context and see you know if it pertains more to the action or not yeah but uh, you know, I I'm not uh, you know I I don't have the biblical knowledge to know whether or not you know it really applied or if it just sounded cool with the story. yeah. So I'm sure there's a lot more there than uh, what's uh, what I was able to process. But um, especially like if you read the back, like mm-hmm. the the acknowledgments and stuff. Um, talks about how uh, he explored a lot of his own views on religion mm-hmm. through the book. So I'm actually, you know, I'm, I'm really curious to see like how that all works out. 
This book was kind of interesting uh, in terms of uh, religion in and of itself. I think if somebody was not exposed ever to religion, it won't resonate with people that were. Mm-hmm. I also think that if someone's fundamental and and stuff, they would not read it to the end. Oh, no, there's a there's a particular chapter that I think would stop them in their tracks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that, you know, hey, that uh, we've seen that before. Well, I guess we didn't read horns for this podcast, but we've talked about we it. We watched it. the film. They kind of excised it from the film, though. But there is a chapter in Horns that's uh, kind of closely related. In, in Let's just say it's a it's a very um, interesting depiction of wrestling with your good versus evil intentions. <laughs> interesting, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But even in the context of the story, that probably it's not like that happened. It was what, yeah. it was a vision of something she was seeing that was just <laughs> kind of jacked up. Actually, felt felt more in place with Veronica than it did <laughs> in this book. Um, I feel like uh, the writing was very like very very well executed. Um, it just. My only criticism was there was almost no levity anywhere in the book. It was just like, this is fucked from beginning to end. You know what I'm saying? From like one bad situation to the other. And it, um, and it glossed over like any parts that would have been normal. Mm -hmm. You know, there's like several times where there's like, you know, uh, time skips basically for like a week or two or maybe a month. And it's just, it, but it goes from like bad position to bad position. Yes. You know, versus any sort of downtime. There's, there's like kind of one or two spots where it, there's good things that are going on in her life. Right. Mm-hmm. And then only to immediately be dashed away. And so it's almost like it feels like those are there just to give her more pain. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but I don't know. They didn't feel out of place though. No, not at all. A a lot of times where it's done just for contrast, Mm -hmm. you know, or just for character motivation. Um, in comics, they call it, uh, um, fridging. Yes. Uh, Like refrigerator. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Deadpool two was accused of fridging. What's her face? Yeah. His love interest. <laughs> What's her face? Kind of like <laughs> it kind of proves the point. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like what's her face? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, uh, yeah. So I, <sighs> but it didn't feel like that. Like it didn't feel fridged, you know, at all. No. Yeah, I do think that uh, you know, there's probably you know like i said a lot more subtext and stuff that i'm not reading into in this at the at the current moment but um i i feel like if there was just a little more uh a little more action between her and her love interest and it and i mean the i forget the woman's name but marley marley yes if there was a little more interaction there, it, it just felt like that was kind of rushed uh, to me. Yeah. Uh, and see, that's what I was talking about is like, that's that glimmer of 
hope that just makes the the bad parts even worse. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, I mean, there's there. You always have to have contrast. Like if you're if the whole story is just you know pain after pain after pain after pain, it gets boring. Yeah. Just like the whole story is good things after good things after good things, boring. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I I, I agree. I. I don't know. I really want to read his other, uh, I have a few of his books. I, uh, gods of the dark web is the one that I really want to read. Um, but I have cruel summer and it's a very small, like a short, really, really short book. And it's, uh, more of a thriller than, than this one. And for one reason or another, I have not read it yet, but it's only like 60 pages and it's very small. It, it, it's a real cool looking book. Cause it's like maybe that big. I know that doesn't work for an audio <laughs> medium, but Brian could see it's like basically the size of your palm and it's only like 60 pages. And I don't know why I haven't read it yet, but it really, really neat. Um, I, I do look forward to reading more of his stuff. I think that there's a real, he's able to balance a real mean and nasty story with, with not going over the top. And, and there was no like blood and guts. <clears throat> or, well, well, there, there was, there was a little, but not like it wasn't just splattery. You yeah, know? extreme stuff happens, but it wasn't splattery. It wasn't. It wasn't like splatterpunk. Yes, uh, and so I, I think he's got a really good writing style. Uh, judging strictly off this book, uh, I like his writing style. Um, uh, I, I just would like to see a longer form. You know, a longer book. To be honest. Uh, so yeah but um i i thought it was very very good and and would recommend it if you're the type of person that a won't get offended <laughs> at at some of this and b uh is into the extreme horror stuff i don't know that i could just recommend this to like hey i like carrie <laughs> you, <know? Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> you got any recommendations uh but if you are into extreme horror, I would would give this a recommendation. I would give it a strong three and a half out of five. Like, okay, so I go into a lot of these books or movies lots of times. Um, the ones that like, okay, so I bought this whenever we met him and actually uh, Robert Dean at the um, and John Wayne and everybody. but at, at the what is it reading. Indie lit invasion, invasion. But I mean, like where they all read passages and stuff. Um, so I knew, you know, a little bit about it. But a lot of these I go into completely blind. Whenever it's like a suggestion, right? Just because I don't want to have any preconceived notions. Um, and I will say, the first chapter I was not expecting. No, it, it punches you right in the face with some of the yeah. worst parts of the book at the very beginning. Um, so, so it's like if you read the back of the book, like I just said, you know, it starts off with like uh, pregnant with her, her with her father's baby. Yeah, that's the first chapter. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, it's it's. I was not expecting it, but like I said, none of it felt you know, overly gratuitous. It was all important to the story and her growth as a character. Um, I think I'd actually give it a four. Well, cool. Yeah. Four. 
Well, I I can easily see it. Like I said, it was strong three and a half uh, over yeah. here. Um, I I want to uh, check out some more of his work. He actually has a book. I, that's what I was trying to look up right now. He's got a book on sale right now. I think it's called Mania, and you may be able to snag that for uh, ninety nine cents. Um, Me, because I'm sure the sale will be over by the time this airs. <laughs> yeah, a oh, good call. Good call. Yeah, uh, no, buck ninety nine, uh, uh, and it's got some really high marks. He also writes, uh, I think he writes erotic under, er, like erotic fiction under a pen name as well. Give him away. <laughs> and here is the pen name. No, I, I don't know. Um, Tingle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like Chuck Tingle's <laughs> new book. What was it like? Something Founded about, by nothing. <laughs> yeah, because he's staying at home due to social. Due to social yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. Like, like I don't know. It doesn't even have to be a real book. Like that's just a good idea. Like it's a hilarious like just premise. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, unless you got anything else, I think that's it for this episode. And no, I think uh, I think I pretty much covered it all. Yeah, God, Veronica was bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Until next time, uh, y'all stay safe, stay out of that coronavirus. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> just stay out of it. Yeah, stay well. And if you do come into contact with it, uh, stay away from other people, and y'all be safe. We'll see you on two weeks. The podcast you just heard is part of the B&E Network. Brought to you by bmovies and ebooks.com.